0: recording has begun. I've fortified myself with a cup of tea and I'm all set to go. Mm -hmm. There's um, a group of people who, you know, this, uh, you thought for a second might be an anthropological um, path I'm going down with. A group of people who live in the Irovadi pa region of uh, Domlur. you know. <laughs> now, there's a group of people who like drinking tea from a mug. And there's some people who use... And there are a group of people who use the mug to wash their ass. Now, that's two different kinds of humans we have on this planet. Not the same mug. And that is absolutely... Why are you sounding like this? That's absolutely... That's not the point I was trying to make. There are two kinds of people. The group who like to drink tea from a mug and there are people who like to drink tea with a tea service. That's a tea pot. The tea cozy on the pot with the cup and saucer and then the little finger sticking out when you drink it. That's basically the... Do you know the significance behind the little finger sticking out? In case there was a person with a really tight asshole walking by and they just had the urge to get their sphincter tickled they knew at any point that there were a group of people drinking tea with uh, from a cup and saucer who had a pinky ready for their <laughs> typically I don't know, you guys don't understand. You think I'm fucking around. This is really from the British Raj. Uh, they really uh, thought of everything. These uh, colonial cousins of ours, they thought of... Um, you were a tight-fisted people. Tight-sphincted people also had an option to get their needs uh, fulfilled during a tea service with scones clotted cream uh, cozy <laughs> and a nice little pinky fingering yeah you learn something new every day on this podcast i have a lovely lovely have a lovely guest uh, later on uh, she's fantastic and i don't think she signed up for this kind of <laughs> content to precede her conversation but well what are you going to do about it but um I'm the kind of guy who likes to pour, at least I was, I don't want to say I'm a kind of guy set in stone who likes it in a certain way, but I like certain things in a certain way. But when I used to be given tea in a cup and saucer, I used to pour it into the saucer and um, I used to slurp it up like a cat. <laughs> I was a pretty fucking ludicrous child. I used to really envy what the dogs were fed when I was growing up. It wasn't kibble or any of this cooked stuff where animals, uh, dogs especially, and cats seem to have quite a menu to pick from nowadays. Uh, But it was basically bread, milk, mushed into a mush and served in a dog bowl. This was before... People came up on social media and said, milk is bad for dogs or bread, white bread is bad for dogs or dogs are bad for dogs. Uh, So I used to see the guy mushing it up and I'm not shitting you. My mouth would start watering, <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to have it at the same time. So the moment that bowl went out for the dogs, I would rush in, take a glass bowl. Eh, the dog's got a steel bowl. I got a glass bowl. fucking that's right. Those serfs. Eh, glasses him. And I would then take bo- uh, b- b- bread, milk bread, of course, because we didn't have brown bread, multi-grain, whole grain, kinds of grain. What grain? Sourdough? Who's your dough? Dough, dough. We had white bread. Uh, we had it all just the british had just left so the bread was all white we would take milk uh, whole milk no other way just milk there was no other option no buffalo milk cow milk goat milk dog milk peanut milk mother's milk none of that uh, we just put the milk it was neel grease on and uh, we had no other options and then we put that in and um, if you're listening from out of india this these are kinds of milk <laughs> what the fuck is this guy going on about and yeah i would put milk just in, okay this is if you if you were one of those people who like cornflakes you get this now i'll come to that there are two kinds of people in this world cornflakes with hot milk and cold milk yeah I never knew conflicts with cold milk was an option because when we used to go to this place, I'll come back to the point about the bread and what I used to eat. Don't worry about it; I'm on top of things today. We used to go to this place called the Wellington Gymkhana in uh, in, in well in, in you know Kunur in Ute. the Wellington Gymkhana run by the uh, was it the army or the air force? I think the army. I don't think, yeah, air force can be anywhere, navy bases inland also doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, this was I think one of those bases. Morning, we felt. Oh, Anthony was one of the waiters back then, and he would uh, lay out the breakfast service: sausages, and toast, and eggs, and uh, conflicts with hot milk. And I was like, "Ooh, conflict!" And it was also summer, but it was chilly. It's up in the hills. Like, conflict, hot milk. The one day, someone said you can have conflict with cold milk. That way, you put right after, and the conflicts remain crispy. And I'm like, oh, "God, the things that I was oblivious." To. It changed my life. And Now I find out the conflicts is the worst that Kellogg's invented. Conflicts, along with uh, the company Chiquita, who made bananas as a breakfast option in the industrial revolution uh, not industrial revolution—that's a bit too far back. But when people start going for jobs, saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I, next thing you have Cocoa Puffs, then you have Tiger Puffs, so you have Cornflakes. Anyway, fuck all that. We have too much choice nowadays. So, conflicts with hot milk and conflicts with cold milk—two kinds of people there. Corn, people who drink with in a mug, people who drink cup and saucer with their pinky out for midgets oh did i say midgets no <laughs> i never say midgets it's for tight sphincters tight sphinctered um yeah i wanted something to be like tight sphincter t-s something tight sphincter samaritans anyhow so uh i used to put this bread in a bowl and i used to put the milk which was hot um which was also, of course, you you might have heard of this thing. The different words for it, but it it it's the word is malai. The word is something. When, when the milk is heated and it cools, it forms this film of fat. Uh, it it basically, if if you're considering a career in porn, <laughs> yeah, start with milk which has been heated and then cooled off. Uh, take off that layer, put it on your chin and see what it feels like. Yeah anyhow I skim it I don't I never at the age of eight foresaw a future in the um, pornographic arts <laughs> in the in in, in in the abstract so yeah I took it out that I poured the milk and I would mush it up of course but me being human I had the privilege of access to sugar and I would yes I would mix it into a fine mush and i would then proceed to devour it like <laughs> the lab that i was trapped in a boy's body if only then pronouns were an option i would have been called i don't know library Labo lebu, lebu oh la la <laughs> just la la <laughs> What is his, the, the boy's situation, ma'am? Is he a he or a he, 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 what? He, him, she, she, her, they, them. No, no, he's a la-la. He's a la 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 labrador. <laughs> or oh, he's a pom. It's a good pronoun to have. Uh, pom-rao. Pom-sandhi. <laughs> it was the most delicious dish I've eaten. And I'm reminiscing because it's one of those days in Bangalore. It's cloudy an abundance of clouds, abundance of air, abundance of things. Hot cup of tea without milk. That's what I've come to, come down to. That's what my life has come to, come down to. Black tea with the minuscule quantity of sugar. Because apparently everything's fucking bad now. If you ask anyone, everything's bad. Sugar's bad. Jaggery's good, but jaggery's also bad. Then... Sweetener is horrible, diet, coke is bad, coke is bad, alcohol is bad, alcohol, free alcohol is bad, food is bad, uh, putting food is bad into your body, not putting food into your body is bad, putting too much food into your body is bad. What the fuck is right? No clue. But well, what is good? Moderation. The right balance. Who the fuck has that balance? God alone knows. But yeah, Malay. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things, man. I, I really uh, enjoy the fact that there are small things that people do which uh, sets them apart, and maybe even to group into groups. Then you know, because they're these small little habits, uh, the way they f- tuck in their shirt or the way you know. You, men and women I'm not going gender specific I don't know how to wear a dress I don't know how to put on a bra but I'm saying where you put on clothes or where you wear a certain cloth cloth or clo- a piece of clothing in a certain way um, the way you iron clothes or I'm saying I'm saying daily small personal touches to the way the way you keep your toothbrush where you line your hairbrush the way you want something cleaned or folded or um, you know the, the way you dig your nose or I don't know. I don't want to go into more personal grooming. I'm sure you don't hear that from me either. But there are things which make it so human, and you sometimes uh, hear from someone like, "Oh, I do this this way," and that, that, that's instant connect. It doesn't have to be on political ideology or on a, on on on, on uh, in any form of social scale of thing that you have to connect on, but just these small things. Oh, oh, you you like pulling that little hair off your ear? Yeah, I like that too. It's a very human experience. Yeah. You, you put your pinky out. Oh, okay, I, I put my thumbs up. Oh, who are you trying to please? Someone clearly with the largest finger. But I think keeping this in mind is very important that we enjoy small things. Hey, that's not going down any path which you don't want to take it down, Sandeep. No sized references here. But when we get caught up in the larger picture and the longer goal we tend to lose some of our sight and the pleasure that some of the things in our vicinity can bring to us. Small things, small touches, rolling over, taking that five-minute nap or sleeping in or staying in bed for three minutes more than the alarm has told you to stay or not doing something after planning. You can take pleasure in anything and I think it's how you set it up to be. Because you can be someone who panders to what everyone around you says. Or you can be someone who lives for yourself. And uh, there are a lot of things out there. As I said, nothing is right. Everything's bad for you. And it's a world filled with more and more, of that, more and more of that if you want to hear it. But you can make it a little quieter by just choosing to do what you want to do and listening to what you want to listen to. Not easy, but it is easier than one would think. Because not everything in this world is so fucking hard. It's okay. It can be a little easy to smile once in a while and be okay. So, God, did you have to end on that note? Yeah. But trust me, if nothing else works, take three slices of white bread. Um, mash it up with sugar, with a little powdered sugar. Put milk, hot or cold. And then literally take your fingers and mush that thing up into a ball of love take off first of course, take off take off the cum take that that milky <laughs> fat which the i call it the porn star litmus test take that off and then just witness happiness enter your body yeah i'm going to leave you on that note because uh, i have a great conversation coming up right after this on a very different note has nothing to do with <laughs> any of the things but you know me i hope and uh, my guest is Akanksha Tangri. She's a lovely lady sitting out of Dubai and she's going to share her story about where she came from and where she is now, what keeps her ticking, what she loves doing, about her, the project she's involved in, the company, that uh, the pub- online publication that she started, and the podcast she'll be releasing shortly. Uh, lovely lady, a lot of fun. a good conversation so I hope you enjoy it and as always I hope you are safe and well and keeping yourself uh, well yeah whatever you are doing enjoy yourselves and uh, tell a friend about this mind blowingly amazing podcast where new things are revealed to you every week all right till then goodbye see you on the other side cheers Hello, Akanksha Tangri. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sandeep Rao.
1: Thank you for having me. You were asking me how to pronounce my last name and I messed up your very simple last name.
0: Hey, this is what happens when you podcast too much. Names don't really come across too well. But thank you so much for agreeing to do this, Akanksha. It's been a while since we last spoke, but I appreciate it.
1: Uh, thank you for having me. You were actually the first guest we had on my podcast, which launches in a few days. And that's- hey,
0: we're going to talk about that. I know this is sort of like a pre-launch party where I'm going to get to know about the podcast. My People people listening right now are going to find out about what it's all about. But firstly, you know, it's so strange that um, I, I interviewed a person for this podcast uh, quite a few months back. And uh, her name is Shweta Subram, I'm sure you might have heard of her. She's Mm -hmm. also an Indian living in Dubai who's from Canada. And because you just mentioned before we started recording that you have a Canadian accent. And I was like, another Indian girl in Dubai who has a Canadian accent, what's going on here?
1: (laughs) Uh, I was going to say you seem to have a type, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's strange. I didn't even know the Canadian connection. I think I I was going to put your accent to more of a an international American school in Dubai. Isn't there one called American School Dubai or something? It's called
1: American School Dubai, yeah. No, but mine's uh, because I lived in Canada, I think, for 15 or 16 years of my life.
0: Right. So, okay. So, why Dubai right now?
1: Because Dubai is home. I grew up, so I have a very uh, confused sense of self because obviously Mm -hmm. I'm Indian, but I'm also a Dubai kid. Now,
0: are you with a name called Tangri?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am, Sandeep. Okay. okay, good. <laughs> um, and with, uh, wait, now, see you made me forget what I was saying.
0: The confusion God, sets in from the get-go.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, very easy. it's not very hard to get me confused, right. as you can tell.
0: No, you said that you had a bit of a confused sense of self because of the various places you yeah. call home or you're going down that path.
1: Yeah. So um, obviously I'm Indian. I was born in India, but I spent um, my formative years in Dubai and then I moved to Canada and lived there for, I think, 15 or 16 years of my life, um, mm, which mm. was a large part of my schooling. And um, I'd moved just after 9-11. So that was a whole other ball game. But But and to Canada,
0: not to the US?
1: To Canada. Yeah. The
0: blow was a little softened. They were just like... A
1: little softened, but I don't know if my like nine-year-old self would understand that. Oh, you were...
0: Okay, so you were nine when you moved in 2001 with... um, And it's strange, right? Because, I mean, we say that you just use this word. And I think it's very interesting that you used it, formative years. Because I think there's this sense that formative years happen between a certain phase, a certain number of years in your life. Like usually... And I think it's true, like there are certain things that affect you, uh, especially memories, experiences in your formative years, and that being the age of six, seven, eight, nine. But I I think the formative in, and, 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 you know, I don't, don't want to take away from what you were saying, but I think formative is lifelong. I think there are different forms of uh, th- uh, experiences that shape you throughout your life. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if that, that's something you've experienced
1: absolutely agree but I also think that as we get older we have maybe the coping tools or a better understanding of how to approach certain situations which we may not have if we're 9 or 10 or even 16 right now for that matter right but also the the flip side to
0: that we have rigidity right as we grow older we don't let those things influence us so I think there's a flip side but you're right the nine-year-old girl that you were in that environment definitely um there were positives, but I'm sure there were also things that overwhelmed you, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I moved from a very, like a lovely, I had a wonderful childhood in Dubai, right? Like all the mm-hmm. privileges in the world. And then I moved to Canada, where it was just a an entirely new culture. It was a, pri- a predominantly white environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my accent was made fun of, you know. I was oh. like told the stereotypical things like, "Oh, you smell like curry." or food smells, blah blah blah. Dude, what, and what I, the fuck's
0: wrong with people? I don't understand. And, I and I do this was remember. in two thousands, not even like in the seventies, which Russell Peters yeah. highlights in his shows. This is like in two thousands where people have the internet. I mean, just the the the, the, the flourishing internet. I mean, they know that appu is not the only Indian. I I don't get it. I mean, no, I don't think they over, knew.
1: Yeah. I honestly don't think they knew it at that point. Especially, I think it's uh, expecting it from like nine or ten year olds at that age right. is Sorry, asking I'm trying for to my classes that's nice. Um you know yeah. asking um nine or ten year olds to have that level of understanding is too much when you see grown adults. Yeah even now they don't have that so how can we expect the younger generation you know to be able to do that and also like there was I remember um, this one incident very vividly because I came home crying it was after 9-11 had happened and uh, one of the guys in my class was like oh my god you know you're as hairy as bin laden and I just like I just remember like sitting at my desk just like looking down at the hair on my arms and then like going home to my mom and crying and be like can you please just get it removed
0: I mean you know I'm glad that um you you've overcome that, and I'm sure. I mean, those things hurt. Like you know, I, was, I had a lady on a podcast last week. I'm going to say last week. It was actually the episode where she 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 lives with a condition of dwarfism, right? Mm-hmm. And when she, her husband, who also has dwarfism, and their three month old baby go out, can you believe people still point and laugh? And this is what shocks me, right? About humanity is that we use these words diversity, inclusion, but it's, it's, it's It might seem something as trivial as facial hair or arm hair for a girl. But and I'm going to get into this right after this point. But I mean, it looks like Osama bin Laden terrorized more than just you know, foreign policy and democracy. <laughs> he just made kids feel. I mean, and look at this kid instead of going that guy's a terrorist who's killed people through this terrorist attack. He wants to torment a classmate using body hair. Like, how fucked up is that boy? Right? Like, looking. At,
1: yeah, but then, it, like, see, now I understand because that time the discourse was very different in the sense that. You know, like I can't I can't expect my classmates at that age as much as I would have liked them to have empathy and not Mm. behave that way. They still did. But a large part of it was also shaped by the discourse around them, maybe what was happening Mm. at home and, you know, the news their parents were consuming and just the narrative that was built around. Because even if you remember, right, like during Trump's time, you had um, all these Mexican kids or all these Latina kids who were bullied and said like, I'm going to yeah. send you back. You had all these the classmates saying, I'm going to send you back, I'm going to do this to you.
0: And you know, the thing is, it's not just America, right? It happens here as well in India, it was obviously height or you use these Indian words, right? Like for dark and for white and for height and for shortness. And I mean, in, I remember in the, the bullying I received was not as much for my disability because it was not a visually, uh, it was not evident, right? It, I didn't have a cane or I wasn't in a wheelchair, but, i remember a girl in class getting bullied for having braces uh they, they were like um, a girl who got um you know who got picked on for for her size and i was like i mean and, and this is not i don't have the answer to it but it just shocks me that um kids sometimes have of course a lot of uh conditioning from their parents and their environment which makes them say such things right like i'm sure that that boy didn't even know uh, the severity of osama bin Laden, but for him he obviously would have heard something that this turban wearing um arab has done this and he automatically equated that to hair and you were the first brown uh, object of his so-called hate and he just used that thing which is interesting how society kind of works on various levels right from racism to to kind of bullying to various aspects from a nine-year-old to a president who wants to bomb the shit out of a country, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's quite, um, and, and that's the thing which I wanted to talk to you about now. I mean, I, it's not, not to do with your story, which we'll get back to, but it, it then you fast forward from 2001 to 2021 and the narrative right now around social media and how it uses uh, how platforms like instagram are using their filters or their their the targeting of young girls and you would have been one of those young girls between 9 and 13 for body shaming and 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 self-worth and self-esteem issues so
1: hey man de- i'm 30 and instagram sometimes still makes me feel that way
0: crazy right so <laughs> can you because i don't i mean i i don't know what it's like because i've never Uh, appreciate I mean I I can see a little bit but I don't I mean of course I've always been like in awe of like the models in the magazines like Cindy Crawford the supermodels like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like this the boy has to also think that that's my ideal girl right Mm -hmm. narrow waist big hips big bust etc but I I think maybe in a way it's a boon that I'm not able to use Instagram to its fullest because I can't upload selfies or I can't use the right filters or I don't uh, leverage the visual angle as much I just put it as a platform where my clips can be heard. But how does it feel like for someone you're saying at the age of 30, you still feel it? What? What is it? Is is it the is it the validation angle? Or is it the other women who are looking better? So can you just take me through that? Because I, I don't know what it's like.
1: I didn't realize this would be a therapy session, by the way, when we... Hey,
0: started. no worries. It's free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great. When's our next one? Can you book that into?
0: <laughs> sure. Episode 35 from now. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's a part FOMO and part what am I doing with my life and mm. also a mix of um, I need to, you know, look after myself better. I need to be the best version of myself and blah, blah, blah. And I know all these things. Like I am in the field, we educate people around these things. So I'm very well aware of what people go through or the challenges that people experience when they see everybody's highlight reels on Instagram, right? Mm. At the same time, I'm also cognizant of the fact that Instagram sometimes makes me feel that way as well not even Instagram social media platforms in general make me feel that way but they make you feel what they make you
0: want to go back for more even though you're feeling bad even though you know no it's
1: not even that it's just like looking you know that constant comparison game to what other people what is happening in other people's lives yeah yeah right and not like and i'll like go onto instagram after i've had a stressful day and be like oh okay great this person had a brilliant day with and then i'll catch myself saying that and be like okay wait if i just posted a photo from today everybody's gonna be like oh wow Kangsha was out there doing this but i know that's not the truth right mm. so it's just um i'm very but that's also
0: that's also because you have this internal gauge knowing that okay i'm gonna just sort of throw this out there like See, because you're aware of what it's doing to you, I think that's where the conflict is. See, because you are aware that if you put up a photo saying, great day, guys, sitting out there, independent woman, hashtag, hashtag, whatever, you know you're lying to yourself. And even though on Instagram, people are like, oh, cool, she had a good day. But you are torn between what you really are feeling and what the Instagram world has made you say. But most people, and I don't generalize, who don't have this conflict where they don't know... um, what they, they basically are selling themselves a lie saying, I had a good day. I'll give, I give you examples of this, right? Like for instance, um, I was sitting with someone for a, for a breakfast and they ordered this dish and literally they took a photo of the dish, put up a photo saying at this lovely place in Goa, having a great breakfast. And uh, this is the place to be, you know, serenity and peace with one with nature, literally after the photo was posted like this breakfast was crap, I, I can't eat this thing, they returned the dish, <laughs> and they didn't like the place. So I'm like, they are okay with it, because they don't believe that they they don't think that they're being dishonest or the word right now being unauthentic, right? and i've seen this across the board with comedy like people having i mean i've been at the show that they ate such a bad uh bad piece of comedy pie on stage i don't know why i said comedy pie that sounds so bad anyway they just had ba- had a bad set and next thing you you go on facebook or whatever and they're like great great show amazing for everyone to come out and watch my set and i'm like how so are they oblivious because i think that's your problem and i think maybe my problem as well is that we know Uh, I think we know what it means to be honest and an honest feeling of fulfillment, right? When you actually feel good, um, you don't want to share that. You want to enjoy that with people who care about you. No, but for me,
1: it's not like even sharing as much. It's how I consume, right? Mm. It's how I consume what other people... I don't share that much on Instagram in general. Like my life is pretty boring. I have really nothing to share. I mean, I'm the same.
0: I'm the same. I have absolutely nothing, yeah.
1: I'm cognizant of the fact that And I keep reminding myself, it's a lot of my internal dialogue when I see something on Instagram or social media in general that makes me feel bad. I remind myself that what I'm seeing is not necessarily what the reality is like. And I know it from like people around me because, you know, you're giving the example of your friend who said Mm -hmm. great breakfast, blah, blah, blah. I know tons of people like that as well. So I'm very uh, I try to remind myself that what I see is not necessarily what it's like and Mm. that, you know, everybody has their struggles. And that's actually one of the reasons at recent um, we've started this uh, initiative called Failure Fridays, where we post about our failures you nice. know, we, and it's everything, like my failures have been on, um, this campaign have been everything from like the fact that I ate, I didn't, I skipped all my workouts and I ate fried chicken burger two nights in a row. Right. And that's, I felt shit about it. That's a failure. But hmm. I, for me, for not like showing up and, you know, working out after i had committed to my instructor that I would, yeah, I would consider like, I felt bad about it, but yeah. You no, know, trust
0: me. That's not a failure. That's, that's, that's just, just a, that's just, that's just, I'll tell you what it is. That's just life.
1: Yeah, it is life. but then I'll log on to Instagram and I'll see like all my friends in the gym working out. Yeah, and that's, I'm the like, oh, shit, that's the problem. That's the problem. If
0: you're just, yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not a, th- I'm not a therapist. Let's just establish that. But that's, that's the problem.
1: I are you sure at this point?
0: <laughs> and that's the problem because you are setting yourself up to a certain standard. And you mentioned that thing earlier, the best version of yourself. There's no such thing as that. It's just that you, when you start doing things for yourself because you enjoy doing it and you want to do it, that's the place you want to be but I get what you mean this thing what social media does it just it, you're fighting an uphill battle right it's throwing everything at you and you're, you're trying to remind yourself no no this is not reality this is not what I am this is not so it takes up too much mind space as a result you don't have time to enjoy your day and even if you didn't work out and enjoy those burgers hey I think that's absolutely fine I don't think
1: yeah that- it is but then it's also that I am my own harshest critic So then it's like, it's my, a lot of it is my own internal, you know, monologue that I have to tell, like, it's okay, just be, you know, you did this, you, it's fine. Because what happens is, I think a lot of us fall into that comparison game. And, you know, like I said, like, I am very aware, because I am immersed in this topic through reset, right? So I'm very aware. But I see a lot of people around me who aren't and who will always be like, oh, this person got engaged. Oh, my God, she had the most fairy tale proposal. This happened, yeah. that happened, you know. So that's like my problem, not problem, but like that's one thing that we want to change is to remind people that there is literally a lot more than what it's you're seeing on somebody's almost you have to hold their
0: hand and show them the way, right? Because it, it, it is so difficult to get your head out of the mud because it's it's almost like that's the, that's all that's every every everywhere you look that's all you hear yeah but i want to ask you about this failure friday um it, it's it's on one end you have people sort of saying oh my my most romantic night out my my most dreamlike proposal but are people honest on Failure Fridays or do they go to oh, the other absolutely. extreme?
1: No, 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 no. That okay. they are we've had incredible responses. Like speaking okay. of um, proposals we've had, we did a, a dating version um, dating fails for Failure Friday and that was hilarious but at the same time we just I, You just saw what people went through, including like puking in front of their first date and never getting a call back and just, um, you know, all ends of the spectrum um, when it comes to dating. So I think uh, we've noticed that people are actually very, very open because they all understand a lot. Today's generation, especially, I would say is very Evolved. an extent Mm. right so they all participate because they realize that you do need to at some point shed the facade that we put Mm. up for social media a lot of the times and that's encouraging
0: yeah
1: and they you know the one good thing i like about instagram is that a lot of um people especially young people are using it to raise their voices and to talk about topics that matter to them yeah you know so that's like one positive and we've definitely seen that uh when we've been working with them especially young indians it blows my mind at how you know educated they are about topics and how formulate you know how they formulate their opinions
0: you know the strange thing is there's this again just like how we only sort of hear the fringes right whether it's the extreme left or the extreme right whether it's the transgenders cancelling Dave Chappelle, or if it's Dave Chappelle, or if it's the other end of the gun, the gun owners, right. And similarly, in India, it's whether it's the complete right or the complete left. I think there are a lot of people in the middle, Like even when we hear of millennials, and we hear of people who are too sensitive, or what they what they call snowflakes, in a way, people <laughs> yes, refer to them as Yeah. So the thing I was talking to this guy who's a professor at Princeton, and he does this, um, He's the senior some senior guy who's at the center for teaching and learning. So I was asking him, what is it like for you um, when you're trying to teach students and teach teachers how to teach and teach students how to learn? Um, are you seeing this where people are get, 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 they're getting offended by pronouns, they're getting offended by the wrong kind of words? He said, no, strangely, this is just something which is uh, being used by certain groups to, cert, to spread a certain message that suits them. And that's if you realize the internet is full of that now, where it's very targeted, um, I wouldn't say marketing, but very targeted sort of reach of content to specific groups to enhance their certain sense of belief. I think if you just uh, approach the internet and social media with that mindset, I think um, it's, it's easier to consume the shit out there because there are real people like you doing real stuff, helping real people who have real... Um, issues but also have a real need and a real sense of reality and they have a sense that I want to change and I want to do things that I believe in but a lot of that gets masked by the noise on the internet which is all this bullshit right the the stuff on the extremes
1: I mean that's why it's so easy to fall for fake news for, um and you know whatsapp forwards
0: yeah Absolutely. right
1: because and this it's not just millennials how even you...
0: older people do it like oh uh, absolutely yeah.
1: absolutely like those family whatsapp groups are always like they're toxic
0: they're very yeah, toxic yeah
1: something or the other you're going to believe that unesco has declared some like india best for something or the other and you're gonna have people just fall for it
0: i mean on the other thing they like oh look at pv, PV Sindhu's workout and everyone tries that or oh, next thing pv Sindhu dressed up in jewelry i'm like, dude are we and i know these are the real people doing real work but are we you said we the, the people today that the youngsters are evolving i'm glad to hear that and i'm 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 not a youngster but i it's 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 encouraging but i feel the there is a big population that's just kind of um vegetating and slowly becoming manure. And I know manure is good for growth, but I feel <laughs> we're just stagnating into this kind of mindless group that are consuming. We just want the next day to be their next wiggy order and their next kind of Amazon deal or the great Indian festival. So what do you feel like, cause you're in this space, I'm I, I'm 82 born. I think if you said you're 30 you're about nine years older, uh, younger than me what is it like? Because you grew up and, uh, you know, I'm going to go away from the therapist part, because I don't want to make other therapists out there feel insecure. So I'm going to ask you the, 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 how was your experience though? In 2000s, Canada, you said, okay, you mentioned that was pretty awful with post 9-11, the way people treated you. Um, But did it change from there? Did you find Uh, a sense of self? And
1: absolutely. Mm. Um, I think like the initial first two, three years were a bit of an adjustment, you know, as I, adjusted to a new climate you know new environment um in terms of people education system whatever else it was right but i think canada and my time in new york and i say this like i moved to new york when i was 21 and i Mm -hmm. really came into my own when i moved to new york
0: seems like a lot of people do end up yeah it's like your
1: cliche thing that oh girl moves to new york you know lives the best version of herself and that was actually what happened yeah. because i moved um i was this like basically a uh, kid who hid behind books the mm-hmm. entire time when i was in Toronto. like yeah I, obviously i had like great friends and all of that but still it was a large part of me i still hadn't discovered myself until i moved to new york and i had all these experiences that i can right. genuinely say have shaped me to be who i am today
0: where in New York were you? Were you there for like undergrad or were you there for work? I was
1: there for grad school and then okay. I ended up working there.
0: Nice. So that was your stint in journalism, right? Yes. Lovely, no, because my wife says the same thing. Like even now, she's like, "I wish I could go back to New York." And she did her th- a course from FIT, and she lived in up the Upper East Side, and she just loved it. I mean, not just the course, but just loved the idea of being in New York. You know, it's not like she went every morning to Central Park and she yeah. went every day to the best thing, but she just loved the idea of being there, yeah. the energy. And I think that's what you're you're saying as well.
1: And I loved it as well. And I loved it as I well. hundred yeah, percent. Um, you know, like I had yeah. great, like some of my closest friends still live in New York Nice, and it's just, but I think for me now, uh, I look back and I'm like, yeah, New York's great when you're young, because now mm. if you ask me, you know, to live that whole New York life of, you know working all day and then going out and then you know coming home
0: at 2 Oof. 3 a.m can't rough, do no? it
1: too old too old
0: <laughs> oh really okay I wonder yeah. what would I even qualify would they even let me to New York excuse me so you're a fossil please go to the <laughs> Museum of Natural History <laughs> they, they need a new exhibit <laughs> <laughs> now I, I love the idea of it but it was a month for me there visiting um, Nivi back in 2014 and I loved it. Like I went to Williamsburg, went here, went there. And every night was debauchery, you know, and as you said, yeah. do it back then. But I, the, the thought of it makes makes me feel a little weak.
1: <laughs> yeah, I cannot like imagine just waking up, like going out all night, waking up, going to work and then figuring out somewhere in between to buy your groceries and do all yeah. that. I'm like, no,
0: Not happening. I'm fine. Yeah, no, but I think that's the beauty of this whole um ecosystem that has been created through the internet, and and I think the positives that need to be addressed that you can, you can arrive at this place. And I think um, you being a journalist, you also working in the space uh, of of, of online, and I want to go into that, I don't want to loosely say what you do. But I think we've created this world where we can reach out to the world being in our comfort zone being in a home where we can sort of enjoy the space not have this sort of little Two feet by two feet apartment because we have to be in New York, but you can save enough living at home to then travel and experience the place in, in the way you truly want to, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's the beauty of it. You can sit, earn from home, earn from a place where you're not paying rent, and then do everything you want to. Of course, you know, you have to work accordingly to save up for that experience, but I think it's become more realistic now to enjoy the experiences which at one point felt uh, un- unattainable, you know?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. But then I think, um, a large part also, and this is something I'm going to like be very serious about this. I'm sorry, but this is uh, something like we saw during the first and the second wave, right? Like people who had the privilege of working from home were able to do that, but those who didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and those who had to actually go out or whose um, employers were just simply not empathetic enough and which we know, like there were a ton of uh, companies in India who did that those people did not have the option to just work remotely or do whatever yeah. else that they needed to you know? Unfortunately. And, yeah. yeah.
0: But I think it's an eye opener. You know what happens in these situations I think is that of course there's some people who need to put food on the table. They need that job. And I'm not at all an undermining uh, their hardship and the effort they do uh, put in to get that work. But I feel this has, when they look around, they see people and of course, the immediate argument is, oh, privilege. And I know I'm not saying privilege doesn't exist, but say today they look at that, saying they see you and I as a podcaster or a, as a as a person who owns a publication doing this, I think it's it, 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 put, <clears throat> it plants the seed in their head, saying one day I would like to do that, which I think is huge when it comes to progress for a society. Because when they know there are options, they might say, OK, I'm going to do this because I need the money right now. But they put feelers out there. They put their they take their blinders off. The other avenues seem to open for them. And I think that's the hope.
1: Yeah, I think we have definitely seen in the past year, not just in India, but otherwise, too, that more and more people are quitting their jobs. Those who can are yeah. quitting their jobs and going down the freelance route.
0: Yeah. And even, and some, and even some who can't. And that's quite encouraging, you know. I, I and because especially comedy—that's the space I knew from 2009 to to 20—and I'm still sort of not a back in it full time because I, I mean back in it on stage because I'm just like you know what I'm I'm actually quite happy I don't I don't don't have material you know, <laughs> but it, I I noticed that a lot of people took the plunge and it was cool to be a full-time comedian, but now they're like mm, I, and. And when I started out, I encouraged people saying, take the dive, do it, because when you're committed, you really put everything and everything's on the line, you write the best jokes then. But that was also in 2011, when there were like 10 comedians in the country. But now with everyone going viral, I'm like, you you know what? Do a bunch of things, don't, and and there's something I've learned, and I uh, do take back certain things, certain bits of advice I gave back in the day. Because I feel now, uh, if you rely on one thing which you love, for everything, that's your joy, your sense of fulfillment, for your creative outlet, for money, you're putting too much pressure on that. And then you start worrying about the other things which come along and not enjoying the outcome. form you attach attached
1: along. to the outcome then, yeah.
0: Yeah, because it becomes your entire identity. And then if you do badly in that, you feel you are, a, as a person, are bad. So I think it's good to do a few things and then find one thing for money, find one thing for pleasure, one thing for fulfillment, one thing which is also a w- way to sort of put out the things that you want to see um, change in society. So a bunch of things always helps. And so let's talk about you, because I don't want this to be about my journey. <laughs> so how is So what kind of journalist were you uh, in New York?
1: I um, I started off as an intern at CNN on Fareed Zakaria's show, which was the most incredible experience of my life. Ooh, because it was I've like heard a he's amazing. He yeah. is amazing. He is like the most incredible person you will ever meet. He's just so mm. genuine, so smart. You're in the room with him, and you're like, "Wow, there's so much I don't know right. in life," because he's so well-read. But he's also just genuinely a very nice human being who you know wants to help you succeed in life
0: and that's I think amazing. that's
1: so rare to have and just him and very and, few people like, get a
0: chance to meet people like that that one person who kind of shows you know, opens your eyes to the world
1: yeah and so it was him and it was his um it was one of his senior producers also like his entire team he's fostered this wonderful team who are just so helpful and so mm. warm and are ready to give you advice or, you know, to help you out when you need it, whether it's with job recommendations or just, you know, to meet for a coffee, whatever mm. else it is. I think that's so rare um, these days, especially yeah. in, um, in jobs media. that are high pressure, Yeah, right? Like media. Um, but my experience in New York with the media industry has been wonderful. I was able to find the best people who were able to help me on my path and after CNN I ended up joining Vice News as a production assistant nice. uh, in New York and that was the time Vice News was just starting out so it was a great So you, experience. Sorry so
0: you were a producer on uh, the CNN shows? Uh, and no Vice, I, was or a, I, was
1: an in, I was an intern at CNN uh-huh. And then from there, I joined Vice News as a production assistant in their uh-huh. New York office. And then uh, from there, I moved to their Toronto office as an associate producer.
0: Okay, so you were not so a so-called investigative journalist or a journalist no. report. Okay, so you were more no. behind the scenes. Okay.
1: I, I did host, um, I wrote a lot for the website, both at uh, mm-hmm. CNN and at Vice. And I uh, hosted a few things at Vice as well, but uh, I was more producing. Producing was my first love
0: that's really cool you know because I, I i there's another name which comes along with farid uh, Zakri. i think there's a person called shri srinivasan
1: yes you've of heard course, his name right course.
0: yeah yes. i was supposed to in fact get him on the podcast and um yeah i was supposed to because I, I reached out to him at, that was last year uh, but these things happen hello shri if you're listening <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think Akanksha is going to get farid on the show so great
1: oh uh what <laughs> excuse me <laughs>
0: I knew someone back in, uh, when I'd come to New York in 2014, this guy who was working with CNN, maybe you, uh, Vidur Kapoor? No, I don't he's know. He's a comedian, then he went full-time into media. So anyway, so he, yeah, so I don't know why. When uh, okay, okay. Wait, so,
1: let me Google him.
0: Yeah, Vidur Wait, Kapoor. He's, uh, I think he's one of those first ABCD gay comedians. So he had these sort of great jokes back. Vidur Kapoor, I think
1: uh I CNN. don't know him.
0: Yeah, no, because he, uh, I reached out to him. He said, Hey, I'd love to help you with comedy, but I'm no longer in the space. I'm working for CNN. So when you mentioned CNN, I'm like, Do no. I know it? You know, it's the Indian thing. Do it, I know it's anybody at like, CNN? It, no, but it's
1: also like, Hey, you're Indian. Do you know the other Indian person at CNN?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, just like how exactly you're like, Oh, it's, yeah. I
1: interviewed this uh, Indian girl living in Dubai has a Canadian accent. You must know her, you yeah. know?
0: No, also, you might know Shweta Subram because she voiced the thing for that song which went a viral called Jalebi Baby. Oh. Yeah, so now you do. I don't just yeah. name drop, Akanksha. Oh, I name I'm drop. sorry. I, I legit sorry. name drop, okay? Oh, you
1: legit name drop. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have
0: sorry. Sri Srinivasan's uh, email address. You know how cool I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Sri is actually, like, if you're an Indian kid in New York, Sri is just, like, he has the answers for everything you need. He's, an, he's actually... Um, I think helped a lot and I for over 20 plus years he even mm. started the South Asian Journalists Association which has been so instrumental in like helping me connect with mentors when I was in New York. So that's Sri amazing. actually when it comes to like fostering and helping the Indian community Sri has played a big, big role. Especially and I think both Kalabia. of them are a part
0: of Pratham and I think that's how I find, found out about uh, Sri through my cousin. Okay. I think there's some work they're doing Pratham. So no, it's amazing to meet these people and, and I like how uh, you've taken from there, right? You didn't just sort of go... Uh, so wait, from 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 Vice, where you did end up um, producing a couple of shows, did you then come back to Dubai and then start what you're doing now? Reset, yeah. Oh, so cool. um, so that's an I online publication. Vice and right. then
1: I, yeah. So we're, Reset is an online publication that does original journalism around mental health, well-being, gender, and looks at the intersection um, of politics, policy and pop culture through these beats
0: so your f- the, the 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 premise which you approach policy politics and all these crossroads are from the space of these issues in society is that right yes okay. because
1: you, you can't you can't just mental health isn't mental health or gender they're not just um, you know
0: yeah.
1: standalone issues There's they don't exist lot, in
0: isolation yeah exactly yeah, that's... They're not,
1: it's not in silos you have to just look at how a policy or how what's happening in the country or whatever else it is, how that shapes what's happening, because mm. a lot of socioeconomic issues also contribute to mental health, right? It's not just mm. one Absolutely. fine day that uh, something happens.
0: And that's the thing, right? A person who is gay could be disabled, could also have mental health issues because, you know, the strange thing, I was talking to someone who uh, who was last year in a ward because of COVID um, and he was, he's, a, he's a he's a not yeah he's, yeah he's a paraplegic he's in a wheelchair but he's got yeah. a little bit of mobility, and he was telling me you know in India can you believe that the disability, um, the 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 issue of disability, it doesn't come under medical because he needed to you know an assistant to help him in the ward right during a quarantine, and apparently, disability comes under uh, women and child welfare. Okay. So that's not even, yeah, it's not even a medical condition in India. I I, I could be wrong on the national level, but I think this is in the state level or something, uh, or, or it's the other way around. So which is what I'm trying to say is when you are doing what you're doing, you can't approach it with one yeah. filter. You can't say I'm going to work on mental health because there's so many variables that affect mental health and that mental health have to, con- you know, mental health practitioners have to take into consideration, you know?
1: Yeah, which is also, which is, I think like the key reason, um, I started reset was to look at, to just further the conversation of mental health beyond like, you know, that Eurocentric approach uh, where it's like, Oh yeah, bring your parents to therapy with you. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to talk, mm. you know, and uh, every- have an you know, intervention.
0: Gonna- yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 That's yeah.
1: not how it works, especially in Indian societies, right? Like how many young people can even tell their parents, Hey, I'm going to therapy and this is what it is without facing resistance. Yeah. Right. So that was like one of the key reasons was to start a safe space, but also to shed light on the topics that are facing our um, society today and facing mm. people of color around the world.
0: So what is the situation? I mean, I I, I don't know if you want to talk about the society you're living in right now, but from your experiences uh, dealing with race, gender, uh, with um, sexuality, with disability, mental health. Where are we right now? I mean, Because there's so much and you'd probably be in the best position with the stories you've covered to give me a sort of snapshot of what's going on.
1: See, in India, I think um, when it comes to, and this is something that really surprised me was how many, when we started Reset, was how many people were willing to speak up and mm-hmm. to share their personal stories and to let us know like their deepest, darkest experiences. And I think that we're really, really grateful for the fact that they've trusted us with their stories. I think since launch, we've done 400 or 500 articles. That's, um,
0: that's brilliant. That that's Around
1: brilliant. these topics. Right. And it's not like it's people's lived experiences, but it's also just a general sense of like what's happening on the national level, what's happening on a state level. Um, and I think, there is definitely awareness, but I don't, there is also that general sense that this awareness is also in that same, you know, echo chamber in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So we have to further the conversation beyond just what you see on Instagram and beyond just, you know, uh, therapy, while it's great, but there is more to mental health than that, especially in a country like India, you can't go into rural India and be like, okay, here, speak to a therapist, right? You have to start from a very, uh, ground level and say, okay, and look at the challenges that people are facing and then Mm. figure out how you're going to tackle that. And there are great initiatives that are happening in India on the rural, on the grassroots level that are sort of taking a holistic approach towards mental health. But I think one of the biggest challenges we face in India um, is the language, but also uh, language in terms of obviously like uh, how diverse India is, but also in terms of how you would translate terms like mental health or depression or anxiety or these terms into an Indian language and try and explain it to a person who is going through that or even to your parents at that point, because a lot of times, like what are the terms associated with mental health in Hindi? Fagal,
0: mm, 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 right?
1: Mm, or mm. mental hospital.
0: Or 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 unhappy, right? Sadness, which is not yeah. always depression. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's just um, like, I think we've progressed a lot. We've definitely progressed a lot. And one thing that really makes me happy is how many young people are becoming aware how many young people are reaching out for support. But we need to do a lot more. We definitely need to do a lot more.
0: You know, the thing is, um, what's amazing is that, you know, you you, you face a very uphill battle. But I think your energy is good that, you know, you're keeping it good. Because it is a little overwhelming at times, right? When you just mentioned all the things that you did about the scope of um the 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 issue the the diversity the challenge
1: that lies ahead of us yes yeah.
0: but you know what for me like the idea of mental health is also sometimes you know when you have and this is not taking away from anyone's mental health um, issues because it's so personal it's so different it's so unique and each person approaches it differently so i think we need to establish that first i think the way social media does it is good as a way as a messenger to spread the idea that you're not alone in this particular experience of mental health issues. But I also feel it also has the flip side right where you think that mental health can be solved in a week because a celebrity had depression between two movies and suddenly when the second movie came out the depression went and I've noticed this and noticed in the entertainment space when people celebrities are shooting they're busy the glamour's all cool the money's coming in they're fine they're putting up things. next week they have a lull between shoots and they're like oh i need to come to terms with my mental health i'm like oh you piece of shit you're, you're just doing this because you need to I fill mean, up your insta I feed d-
1: i mean i don't know i do I not all give again. People, i want to give people the benefit of the doubt because that's why i'm I here
0: think, i don't give them the benefit of that <laughs> see, i want to give
1: them the benefit of um the doubt because having them speak up is like look at in india at least right like because Deepika Padukone spoke up, the conversation yeah. around mental health furthered so much.
0: Well, but she went beyond just talking about it. She's yeah, actually she also set opened up the, the foundation. Yeah, and she I opened the foundation, is,
1: but she yeah. took the first step of opening up, which yeah. takes a lot, especially in her position, to open yourself That's up to such using vulnerability. using your
0: power, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and so I do want to give I'm not talking about
0: people the, like her, of course. You know, I, I don't undermine, she's done some amazing work and she's got experts who are in a position to even further what she's doing
1: yes yes so that I so I don't know like just based on her experience and seeing what um, you know other celebrities are doing in terms of just I'm talking more about the
0: influencers the ones okay the the influencers yeah yes today uh, they're selling bras tomorrow they're selling shoes day after they're selling dolphins the fourth day they're selling anxiety so I don't know what to believe
1: (laughs) okay so influencers I think um, yeah I don't know what to tell you actually
0: I don't know. I don't. I think they need to influence themselves first. Because the, here's the other point about mental health. It's health. No, okay. actually, you know? I
1: do know what I want to say. So, for influencers, I do want to say that um, because they have such a large following and they are able to influence so many young people, just please refer them to mental health professionals unless you're a mental health professional do not give them advice do not have these manifesting workshops and like these Good positive Lord, thank you. vibe but, workshops hmm. and whatever else like with all due respect I'm sure your intentions are right but please just refer man I was them invited for a group. professional
0: just like what you said I was invited for a group share uh, uh, your safe support group for mental health I'm like dude I don't need a support group for mental health I-, I need to go to a doctor if there's something wrong with that I need to go to a therapist you know
1: See, the thing is, we've also held support groups, especially during the second wave, but we had a professional... Yeah. Yeah, we had like a mental health professional, like a therapist, a psychologist, yeah. it's like a psychiatrist lead those groups. So it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. You know, me saying like, okay, because I work in mental health, uh, here I am leading yeah, uh, it's, it's a support like, group for you.
0: Exactly. Right? It's like me trying to tell you I'm your therapist. It's a joke. Of course, I'm not your therapist. Yeah. The idea is that these people were like, oh, I experienced anxiety and depression. Uh, I'm going to conduct this group. That's not how you fucking do it. Because... You went through it, good for you, good for the fact that you're able to, de- but you cannot, if you're not trained as someone who can analyze the situation, because it's a case by case, each person is different, each person's experience with mental health issues are different. So you cannot, and it's it's, it's it could cause more damage, in fact.
1: Also, just one thing I want to say is like, when um, we started reset, one thing I made very sure about was that we don't say so and so suffers from depression, so and so suffers from anxiety, we... And we don't even say mental health issues. We say mental health challenges. Yeah. And because issues has such a negative connotation to it. Mental health yeah, challenges. Yeah, I like issues you know,
0: anyway. It's a personal well,
1: thing. you know, Sandeep.
0: I, I don't love what we said. To... So cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the other thing is also like we say so-and-so lives with depression or so-and-so, <clears throat> you know, um, is experiencing this right now because just how we approach the topic and our language um, – shapes plays a large part in shaping mm-hmm. our perception of a topic.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You
1: know. So, yeah, that's just I don't know one thing I just wanted to add
0: was No, I think please. it's important how people perceive it, right? Because it, it, it and from an illness to a condition, uh, you you kind of approach it differently. And I'll give you another thing maybe which you've experienced is um the, the you know, anxiety, depression, these are things which are um, not social constructs, right? They are a body and a mind feeling in a certain way because of a social situation they're put into. And they were mechanisms that helped us cope in some way. And uh, because that coping mechanism went a little too far, it goes to perpetual uh, debilitating anxiety, and as a result, depression, or could be one of the other or both, right? But in some cases, at least in my case, it was a wake-up call, uh, I used anxiety that I was experiencing. I mean, initially it was, it was like, why me? I can't handle it. It was debilitating to a point where I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I don't wish that were my worst enemy. Maybe a couple of them, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just joking. But... Uh, it was a way for me to say, dude, what what the hell are you doing, right? Why are you constantly living for others? Why are you going through this entire sort of rigmarole of trying to please others, get validation and focus on the byproducts of what you do as opposed to enjoying what you do? So I'm just giving you, I don't go down that path. It'll just keep me talking forever. But have you noticed uh, in, in the experience of your the people, the stories you've shared, uh, where people use it and there's a word a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist said he said the things that happen in your life something could be traumatic uh, post-traumatic but some could be traumatic growth so whether it's an accident whether it's a breakup whether it's a certain uh, scarring incident and anxiety could be one of those indicators saying use that opportunity for growth have you experienced that?
1: I think um, because how everybody experience or like everybody's experience with mental health challenges is so different and also uh, the access or the privilege they have to be able to access that support or yeah. access resources is so vastly different. Yeah. Um, for some people, yes, we have seen that they are able to do that, but for others they aren't. And I just want to say there's nothing wrong with that. There's honestly. You know, just because uh, one person's experience has been such a what you're saying, traumatic growth, okay, that's great for them. But just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't make you any less of a person. Or yeah, just anxiety because doesn't always have to be
0: a wake up call. It could just yeah, be Yeah, just because you need to treat if
1: you're, um, you know, you're still experiencing mental health challenges or you're still living with a certain condition, um, that's fine in, in the sense that that's. You're on your own journey, and you're doing the best you can. And I
0: think you that's know, a it great doesn't thing.
1: have to be—it doesn't have to be like, "Oh, I'm going to hustle and you know get out of this now." Yeah,
0: that's the first thing for people listening. I think it's not a project. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have a finished date. Even therapy is not something like in six months. I have a budget of this much. I'm going, no, it doesn't work that way. I think it's a journey, and it's a journey between you and your um, anxiety and the. And you have to be
1: so kind to yourself.
0: Yeah, I think you have that's to be well so said.
1: so yeah. kind to yourself, you know, and just. Like, focus on the baby steps instead of the larger picture and learn to some. I mean, it's easier said than done, of course, but like, tune out some of the shit that people are going to tell you around you.
0: First thing, get off social media. That's the first start. At least regulate the way you consume it because that is a place where every step forward, where you are kind to yourself, you say, okay, you know, I understand what's going on. It can take you back 10 steps. If you're consuming it in the wrong way, and I'm not of course saying all social media platforms are bad, but I think with my coping of anxiety, uh, not being worried about what others are doing was a first step to kind of look within and say, okay, what do I really want, you know?
1: That, but also what people around you are saying, right? Like more Mm -hmm. than just social media, like uh, what your family or friends are saying or any of that, like at some point, uh, if it doesn't serve you, just if you can learn to just tune that out and focus on your own journey
0: get but a new family also,
1: yeah <laughs> I mean getting a new therapist is hard enough <laughs> like how are they <laughs> gonna get a new family but also just like uh I just want to say like a lot of people hesitate in breaking up with their therapist if they're not serving them anymore or they're not right for them mm-hmm. there's also nothing wrong in breaking up with your therapist a good therapist will let you go essentially and help you even you know like I've I know therapists who have helped their um, patients find other therapists that are better suited
0: and I think that's an important point you made just because you go to a therapist doesn't mean that therapist is the therapist for you because they may be good they may be the most recommended but they might just not work they might not gel with you you might not connect with them so don't think that going there and you're not feeling better after a few weeks means there's oh, I'm hopeless, I'm never going to get better. That's not the case. It takes time and I think, right? Finding the right therapist who connects with you. Yeah, it took me,
1: I went to two therapists before I found the right one because I realized that for me, I needed somebody who was a person of color and someone who, a person of color, a woman and someone who was able to relate to some of the lived experiences that I've been to. And I found Mm -hmm. such a great therapist and it's like, you know, like four years and counting.
0: I went through four, I think the first two after my case quit. It was. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if they quit because of me, but they stopped. <laughs> I was like, how fucked up is my story that it sent them into depression. <laughs> I'm not laughing about depression. but I'm laughing about they actually quit. Oh, God, I think one even had a bad breakup after that. I, I don't know. It's not me, obviously. But just—it's not me. me. It's you. It, it no. It's it's neither of us. It's it's just the cosmic forces.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That's a nice way of putting it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be. But no, I'm so glad you're doing this, and I'm so um, impressed by the fact that people are, you know, with your Failure Fridays, with these articles about their story, in a world where there is uh, so many opportunities where people are exploiting your vulnerability when you do come forth and show your um your true self when you might say okay this is my this is what i'm scared of my insecurities what i'm what i'm my fears and people exploit that right they take advantage they manipulate you whether it's in a relationship or in a professional setting the fact that people come to you and they trust you to tell your your their story right is very impressive because the media manipulates it i've had so many interviews where people take snippets out and they don't Put the whole story out. So clearly through your publication, people do believe that you and your team and your publication is someone they can trust, which is, I think, really, really important in today's day and age when there is so much mistrust.
1: I think, I mean, first of all, thank you, but I think a large part of it is also fostering the right team Yeah. and finding people who believe in what you're doing and who have their ethics in place and their heart in the right place and mm. who actually. I know that I don't have. I can just sort of tell them, okay, this is what we're working on, or like, yes, your pitch is approved, and then they're on their own, mm. right? And I can't be micromanaging a team. I can't be doing any of that. And the good thing is that my team is—they're all it's all female team—and they're wonderful, wonderful women who just are so passionate about this. And, who and they all work of- with you in Dubai. No, uh, a lot of them are based in India as well.
0: Okay, so you have a remote team. That's fantastic. Yeah, nice.
1: yeah. And so everybody's spread out, um, you know, doing their own thing. But I think at the end of the day, we all believe in the same thing, which is destigmatizing mental health and to talk about the topics that no one else is talking about. So I think that's been a key part in um, helping people open up is just finding the right team who can talk to them. Yeah,
0: I think that is so uh, – I don't have a team. I, it's just so not me. Uh, but I think I see that in my wife's case with her uh, e-commerce thing. It's it's just finding, it doesn't matter about the size of the team, but you find people who are not in it just for the appraisal and that percentage hike or for, you know, saying to people, oh, I work at a mental health, um, you know, organization that supports mental health. You know, what I'm saying is this finding like-minded people is so hard, but I'm so glad you have found them.
1: And the thing is, like, as um, we sometimes when we put up job postings on our Instagram or whatever else it is, we get hundreds and hundreds of applications and you see how many people actually care about this and the sheer amount of talent that is out there. And I'm like, damn,
0: nice. like,
1: it just makes me happy. But then I also get foam. I'm like, I'm sorry, I wish I could hire you too. And you and you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, you have so much going on for you. So it just really it's very heartening to see how many people care about mental health um it's become
0: a very very encouraging uh sign of um the fact that people care you know
1: yeah the fact that people care and that they're uh also like when we'll speak to them during interviews and stuff and i say like why do you want to come work at Reset?" they said because it resonates with what i'm going through in my life
0: Mm. and
1: it's provided me a safe space and i think that's more than i can ask for we're two years old that's it yeah that's it we're two years old,
0: and you're already resetting. What?
1: Yeah, already resetting <laughs> <laughs> with our podcast that you're <laughs> a guest on.
0: Yeah, I know. That was, so, okay. So, what's the podcast about, and what's it called? I, I know, I know the name, but you're the host.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's called "Why This Now," and it looks at telling the untold stories, um, you know, asking the hard questions, and talking about topics that people aren't necessarily comfortable talking about so it's essentially an extension of what we're doing on the publication side and just bringing it um to the podcasting side so our mm. first episode which is with you and a bunch of other wonderful guests looks at dating and intimacy through the lens of disabilities
0: hey wait a second not just me. i oh i know i've been clubbed with others isn't i okay cool I, I, well
1: you thought you were special
0: of course I oh mean.
1: no sorry Cindy. sorry to <laughs> I, break i'm to specially
0: you. abled <laughs> <laughs> oh. According to PC culture, but no, that's fantastic. So you bring together, I I like that. So under the theme of dating uh, with disabilities, you have various perspectives within one episode. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, you, it's one of my really close friends from Toronto who talks about her her own experiences and something that I've seen up close in like, I think the 12 or 13 years I've known her Mm -hmm. and then um, one another person from India and then uh, someone from the states and uh, so that's our first episode and then some of the other topics we look at are um, the mental health impact of COVID on teachers and whether they're experiencing PTSD and uh, we go inside the minds of the trolls and the trolled.
0: Interesting I think that's a very very important thing to uh, you're talking about the online, the people who yes. hate and the people who are receiving yeah, hate. What yeah, else yeah, yeah,
1: we, yeah. Who else are the trolls?
0: You'd be surprised. Where I live, uh, we have the real ones.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I, I, I live in Hogwarts, by the way. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Wow.
0: No, because recently I was listening to someone talking about the troll farms um, and they're not necessarily only out there to sort of uh, put nasty comments on YouTube or make you feel like shit, but they actually are manipulating uh, what, um, information is being you fed consume. to certain. Groups. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like what with, with what happened happened with um, the, the 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 Jan, Jan Six political riots mm-hmm. and the so that kind of troll farms in Russia and China doing that. So I was wondering whether you have access to those kind of people as well, because many of them are proper cyber hackers and they have these bots. No, we didn't.
1: Them- maybe next season we'll do that, but this season uh, we haven't gone to that extent. But we've mm. talked to uh, we've talked to one of the world's foremost experts on. The psychology of trolling, mm. and uh, we've also talked to Nidhi Razdan, who mm. obviously gets trolled a lot, and we've talked to Suparwoman, aka Supriya Joshi, as well, who's been trolled consistently on social media about the mental health impact of trolling.
0: Ooh, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's a bummer. It really really brings you down. How much ever you are like, are there a bunch of idiots sitting in somewhere? But it just yeah, I mean, I, I don't get trolled because I I'm I not because I'm too good it's just that I don't get enough views to get trolled it'll be it'll be really sucky if you're the
1: upside of not being popular
0: absolutely like out of 100 views you get trolled 10 times then there's clearly something wrong with you right (laughs) (laughs) now I'm so glad you're doing this why why this now why this now this is the podcast it's coming out soon uh, do you have a release December date?
1: December 6th, it? December 6th, Monday. Oh,
0: that's, yeah, this podcast will be out by then. Our episode will be out by then. Oh, so okay, great. It, you... So
1: please watch it. So rewind to, to it.
0: December 6th. <laughs> 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 reset your calendars. Hey, see how I incorporated your name there? Oh, the
1: wow. Great job.
0: I know. No, no worries. I'm, I it's my pleasure. So I'm so glad. Okay, reset. That's So where can they find reset? Where can they hear these stories? Mean, read the stories uh, besides listening to uh, the things you're doing on Why This Now, which I'm assuming is on all podcast platforms.
1: Yes, it is. And um, you can follow us on Instagram at Reset Your Everyday. And our website is ResetYourEveryday.com. And mm-hmm. you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which sums up uh, once a week, everything you need to know and why it matters to you as a young person in India.
0: Super. Thank you so much, Akank for doing this and for doing the great work that you are with your team. I think, on behalf of everyone listening, I think we're excited for the podcast, uh, for the first one with some amazing guests. Um. (laughs)
1: Including uh, Cindy Brow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even know I was on the first one. Oh, wow. I forgot. (laughs) But (laughs) appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Good luck and all the best.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, You were the first person I interviewed for our podcast, and it was just a wonderful experience. And this also has been wonderful. Um, Thank you for this free therapy session. I really appreciate it. I won't have (laughs) to go to therapy this (laughs) <laughs> I, I th- you said it was free
0: is i did it not? oh man i forget oh. what i say half the time okay but yeah it is free sorry
1: oh, okay well we can have this conversation uh, later we, we can <laughs> sort it out
0: <laughs> no but it's awesome yeah
1: yeah uh, it's been wonderful thank you so much for having me and um for giving reset a platform to get our stories and our- the word out there and for this free therapy session Uh, emphasis on free
0: (laughs) no I I think everyone I encourage everyone I put the link in the description head over to reset check out all the stories and if you do have a story to share you can reach out to Akanksha and her team and do listen to the podcast and uh, yeah thank you Akanksha appreciate it
1: thank you Sandeep